So the title of this message is Justification. This morning in our statement of faith, what we believe, more specifically talking about the justification of sinners. Now, I know for some of you, I say that word justification, some of you may be familiar with that term. Some of you may not be familiar with that term at all. Perhaps it seems very academic, very intellectual. Maybe it's a word that you've never heard of. Whether you know the term or not, just know that I'm more concerned if you understand the concept behind the word. The idea behind the word, the truth behind it, because that is what really matters. A couple years ago, I was having a conversation with an individual, and the word sovereignty, which means essentially God is ultimately in control of everything, I was caught up on this word sovereignty. So as we were going back and forth, I asked this person, I said, does your pastor use the word sovereignty? In his sermons. Because if he doesn't use the word sovereignty, I mean, is he really a pastor? So I kept asking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But does he use the word sovereignty? And I'll never forget what this person said. He said, no, no, never heard that word before. But one thing that he always says is, God is in control. And that was a lesson to me that maybe some people may not be familiar with the term specifically, but they understand the concept or the idea behind the word. Now today you're going to learn what justification means, but I just want to say up front, I don't want people to feel dumb or, or stupid or feel a certain type of way because you may have not have heard this term. Again, the point is, do we understand the concept, the idea that communicates this biblical truth to us? So some ways you may have heard the word justification explained. There's many more, but at least here's a couple that you may have heard that communicates this idea, right? This idea of counted as righteous, Right? Or maybe you've heard it said you've been declared as righteous. Or you're in right standing with God or you are in right relationship with God. These are just phrases and ways that communicates this idea of justification that is acceptable. So some of you may have knew the concept of justification but maybe didn't understand the term specifically and maybe... Some of you like, oh, I know this already, right? So today, let's explore more about this, this word and what it means. As I said before, we're going to be in the book of Galatians. But just so you know, before we get into Galatians, we're going to do a little bit of uh, church history, okay? So just keep, have your Bibles there. Uh, we're not going to jump right into Galatians. We're going to talk a little bit about why this doctrine matters today. Now, I understand that. For many people, if you can't connect it why it's relevant today or why it matters today, then it really doesn't matter, right? If you can't connect something that's so ancient to the present, 
and show why it actually matters, some people will just forget it all together. So I have three reasons why I think the doctrine of justification matters today. Three reasons. And before I get into that, I agree with Dr. Michael Byrd, who says that justification is answering two questions. One, who are the people of God? And two, how do we become right with God? Now, I know those two questions may be questions that none of you are asking. Perhaps you're here and you're like, those questions don't mean anything to me. They're not relevant to me. Thus, maybe another question that you may be asking, which, by the way, we welcome those types of questions. Perhaps you're thinking about justification and saying there's been spiritual abuse in churches. There's been financial mismanagement in churches. There's been physical and sexual abuse cases in churches. Maybe your question has nothing to do with those two that I mentioned. Maybe for you, you're just asking, well, the church needs to look in the mirror and ask themselves, are they justified by God? I suppose that's fair. Maybe your question is, is it safe to trust this doctrine, this teaching from the church? When the church has so much chaos going on. And despite some churches, pastors, and leaders that maybe, maybe not, they may not be the best examples to look up to, I still would submit that justification matters today. And the first reason is because it's historic. Because it's historic. It's important to know that this teaching didn't just come out of, kind of, out of nowhere. It didn't just pop up. There's a historical linkage to our global brothers and sisters in the faith from the past that links us to this teaching. To this doctrine. And they came way before us in this journey of believing. Two people from church history that we have this spiritual heritage with is the first, some of you may know him, the North African church father, Origen. He is known for his expertise in what we would call uh, interpreting scripture or uh, the big $2 word is hermeneutics. It's a way for you to interpret scripture. One of the things that he's known for is what we would call the, the allegorical method or the allegorical interpretation of scripture. This African theologian was known for this, trying to get behind the, the, the truth of the words on the page, the, the spiritual sense, if you will. He's one of the most influential African theologians within the patristic age. Now, I want you to know to keep in mind that even though they didn't use this word back then, justification, the concept or the idea Origen believed in. Origen saw justification by faith in the thief on the cross. 
and claims that faith is the foundation of our justification. So that righteousness isn't based on works of the law. Our obedience cannot justify since righteousness is by faith. When you think about that story about the thief on the cross, Jesus, there's three crosses, Jesus is there. And you got the two true criminals that are being crucified with Jesus. One rejects Jesus, mocks Jesus. The other receives Jesus. He puts his faith and trust in Jesus and says, yo, let me roll with you. And Jesus said, you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Origen saw this as justification because that thief on the cross was counted as righteous when he accepted Jesus' work on his behalf. Interestingly enough, he is literally next to Jesus <laughs> while he's being crucified. The work is vividly being shown to him in real time. Being declared righteous, being counted as righteous, Origen saw this as justification by faith. If you think about it, this fits well with Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 that says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. What is justification? What does this term mean? Well, I think the Westminster Confession of Faith explains it more thoroughly. It says, justification is an act of God's free grace wherein he pardons all our sins and accepts us as righteous in his sight. Only for the righteousness of Christ imputed to us and received by faith alone. This teaching, this doctrine, is God's free grace that he offers to anyone that believes in him, that trusts in him. And you could be in right relationship with God. You could be righteous in his sight. Not by your own righteousness, but the righteousness of another. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who suffered and died in your place. The righteousness that God accepts is the one that he provides, and he provided it at the cross. This is what justification is all about. Origin was one person that we have a spiritual heritage with, this concept of justification, but another is a guy by the name of Martin Luther. Um, when I say Martin Luther, I'm not talking about Martin Luther King Jr. I'm talking about this guy here who was a, a theologian. He was a, a monk. He was a, a professor. And he is one of the most significant people within Western history. He was known as a reformer of the church. Some of you have probably heard of the Protestant 
Reformation. So this is Martin Luther who, as he was studying, as he was researching, as he was studying to show himself approved, the story goes while he was working on lectures, he came to understand that God's grace was not to be earned by works, but that Christ had finished the work of salvation, which was available by faith. Luther saw that the righteousness that we receive is not our own righteousness. It's not about what we do. Because we have a birth defect called sin, our works are tainted. Our works ultimately before God to be in right relationship with God, they're not good enough. We need the spotless lamb of God's work on our behalf. So when Luther saw this and recognized this, he realized that it is the righteousness of God. That classic book, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's repeated in Galatians and is repeated also in the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament. Again, we have a spiritual heritage with other saints from the past. Origen and Luther are just two. There's a whole host of others. But this doctrine matters today not because only it's historic, not because it's history. In history, the past has bearing on the present, but also because it's a foundational pillar. It's a foundational pillar to the Christian faith. So when we think of, uh, of pillars, they are strong vertical columns that are reliable, that are supportive of some sort. And not only supportive, but they're really, really strong and they hold up a building. One of the things that I got to do earlier this year was uh, I went on a ministry trip to Rome, Italy. Amazing, amazing trip. There were so many great things. Uh, I really want to go back. I would actually live there if I could because it's so amazing. But one of the things that I remember from that trip as we visited different places, one of the places we visited was the second largest basilica in Rome. It's called St. Paul's Basilica. Here's a picture of, of, of the columns, of the pillars that holds this basilica together. This particular basilica was erected in the 4th century and is still standing today. It's amazing. Here's another picture of it, too. As I was walking on the lawn, um, so many people was there taking pictures. And again, the columns, the pillars are so visible and so strong, it's like, this is amazing. And again, this is from the fourth century. When we think of pillars of the faith, I would argue that justification is, is one of them. You can maybe even put the resurrection of Jesus as a pillar as well. That's a strong, that's one that, that, that is important. And if you take one of the pillars out, it will compromise what it is. Just like if you were to take one of these pillars out from the St. Paul's Basilica, 
it will collapse. It will buckle. It would eventually come falling down, right? All right, let me lean in this way. Uh, the game Jenga. We all like games, right? We all like board games. The game Jenga. Uh, that Tanzanian-born woman, Leslie Scott, who created that game. Many of you play that game. And it's a really good illustration when you think about this idea of a foundational pillar or a foundational block. So in the game, there's 54 blocks. And you put blocks on, you take blocks off. But sometimes if you take a block off, it will shatter the foundation of something to the point that all the blocks come crashing down. In other words, if you take the block of justification out, it will crumble, it will shatter the idea of Christianity to some point because justification is so integral. Being in right relationship with God is a major key. It's a major highlight of what it means to be a Christian and the story of Christianity. I say it's a foundational pillar because, again, the definition of this word simply means to be declared righteous. The mission that God was on was to declare people righteous in his sight. That's why Christ came to rescue and to save people. This gets to the integral part of biblical Christianity, a relationship with God. Not by your works. Not about what you do, not about how much money you give, not about how, much, how, many, how many times you've read the Bible from front to back, not how many times you do justice initiatives around the city. All of those things are great and all those things are good, but they alone do not make you right with God. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to make us alive. So we can have this relationship with God. We are not made righteous or infused with righteous. No. It's Christ's work that is imputed to us as righteousness. So that it could be accepted by God himself on the basis of faith. On the basis of faith. Being declared righteous in God's sight means that you know that you don't have it all together. It means you acknowledge that you are in need of a Savior so that his righteousness can cover you. So his righteousness can cover us. Why do you think in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 and 7, just as Abraham believed God, and the text says it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God, and it was counted as righteous. He didn't have to do anything. His works did not count him as righteous. No, his belief in God did. 
fascinating, too. This was in the Old Testament, right? This was in the book of Genesis. So he had a forward anticipation of the coming Messiah, and he still believed. Us on this side of the cross, instead of looking forward, we tend to look backwards at what Christ has already done, and we still believe. The point is, it's always been through faith. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it's always been how God justifies people by faith. Justification matters today because not only is it historic, not only it's a foundational pillar of the faith, but because it's a reminder to not forget God. Justification helps us today so that we don't forget God. The book of Galatians is, is, is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's about a church that really forgot about God. They forgot about their standing with God. They forgot about their relationship with God. There was a, a group of people in the church, apparently, that was coming in and saying that, yo, you need to obey the law in order to be right with God. They were called the Judaizers. And this group of people said that you need to do these things so that you can be in right standing with God. So Paul starts off Galatians 3 and says, <laughs> you foolish Galatians. Translations, why are you acting dumb? Who has bewitched you? Who told you that? He even goes on to say in chapter 1 that even if an angel from heaven comes to you sharing a different gospel, let them be accursed. You got people among you that's telling you that you have to do these things to be right with God. You're foolish. And I believe the church in Galatia forgot their justification on some level. And that's why this doctrine helps us so we don't forget, so we don't have the spiritual amnesia, so we don't forget God and our relationship with him. Many of you are in relationships right now. Wouldn't it be bad if you just forget the relationship that you're in with your spouse, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, with your friend? This doctrine matters so we don't forget, forget God, so we don't forget our first love. One thing I love about these verses this morning is that it connects us to the last few sermons that we had in our Statement of Faith series. I know these sermons can kind of feel like, well, what's the thread between them? How do they all kind of fit together? Well, in verse 8, it talks about the gospel. That was preached to Abraham beforehand. Interestingly, Brandon O'Brien preached on the gospel. I think it is also interesting, too, that God preached the gospel to Abraham, and he quotes Genesis 12. In you shall all the nations be blessed. <laughs> Bible calls that the gospel. So there we have the gospel. Verse 8 talks about being justified. 
We're talking about that today. Verse 13 talks about redemption. Christ redeemed us. Remember we talked about that last week. And verse 14 hints, hints to the, the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is what Pastor Bob is going to be preaching about next week. So in these verses right here, we see that the four sermons in the actual series is, is, is there. So there's a tapestry between all of these doctrines that shape us as the people of God if we believe. They shape us into the people of God that we're called to be, as it says, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. One thing about Galatians that one commentator says, in Galatians, justification by faith serves Paul's major argument about the divine origins of his gospel and serves to show why Gentiles, non-Jewish people, Gentiles are not required to do Jewish works of the law, to be justified and to become the offspring of Abraham. Namely because God justifies Jews and Gentiles by faith in Christ Jesus, not by works of the Jewish law. If you don't understand anything from this sermon, understand that you are not saved by what you do. You're not saved by Jewish law, American law, Roman law. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by Jesus. Amen? We can't afford to forget God and our standing before him. Let us never have any person, any angel, any demon, any ideology that puts us back under the law. Any thoughts, any ideologies, any things that says that we have to do this in order to earn God's grace, not true. Now, it's important that we know that God does prepare good works for his people to walk in. But we're not doing these works in order to earn salvation with God. We're doing these works as a result of our faith that we have in Christ. There's a difference. Let us look to Christ who hung on the tree to save us. Deuteronomy says, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, there is freedom and lifting of the curse of sin in your life. Jesus lifts the curse. He lifts the pain. He lifts the agony. He lifts the anxiety. He lifts the depression. He lifts the curse of sin in your life if you believe. His blood was shed on the cross for you so that we could become the righteousness of God. Through his resurrection proves that we are his, proves that he has defeated sin and death. As the scripture says, oh, death, where's your sting? 
the resurrection of Christ is the beautiful picture that we will live again, that we will have eternal life, that we have newness of life. And Jesus lifts the curse. Amen? As I said earlier, two questions that this doctrine answers. There's like a horizontal perspective and maybe a vertical perspective. Who are the people of God? And how can we be right with God? How can we be declared righteous in his sight? And it's ultimately through God's free grace that awaits you to be a part of his family and to be counted as righteous. To just believe and trust in the resurrected Christ. Amen.